um, you may you may love doctors. I mean, I love doctors. I just don't like going to them. Um, you know how when you're you're at the doctor and they're about to um, give you a shot, it's like a large sword disguised as a needle, and you start asking questions not because you really want to know, but because you're just trying to avoid what's about to happen. Kids do the same thing, and we're all kids, right? Just like one more question, but what about this? But what about this? Um, question. Uh, questions. <laughs> Children <laughs> are classic for ask, asking questions in order to avoid obedience. Um, I've done it. I've seen it. Um, I sometimes still do it as a child of God. Not all questions are bad, but the reality is sometimes we pose a question because uh, we just want to avoid doing what we know is the right thing to do. And uh, sometimes those are honest questions in avoidance, and sometimes those are ignorant questions in avoidance. We're going to read a passage this morning from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to re read uh, verses 4 to 11. And this is where uh, Jesus, we're in the, this uh, time of ascension. So Easter, and then there's 40 days to the ascension of Jesus. After the resurrection, he goes into heaven. And then 10 days before Pentecost, which will be next, um, this coming Sunday. So Acts 1, 4 to 11. Uh, if you don't mind standing again, sorry to give you all the quad exercise. But as you hear the word of the Lord for us this morning, um, this is from Acts uh, chapter 1, 4 to 11. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white st stood beside him, a.k.a. angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go up into heaven. Let's pray. God, thank you for this word and the reality of your ascension. We ask for the illumination of the Holy Spirit that we might not just understand it, but live out its implications. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. So I want to take a few minutes uh, at the beginning here to, to talk theologically about this passage because it is easy at times to sort of skip from Easter to Pentecost or if you're not in a, in a liturgical tradition or not really familiar, from Easter to... Christmas. <laughs> uh, there's an awful lot of life in Jesus in the middle of it. And so we're talking about ascension this morning. And I want to talk about it theologically so you can understand some of the background, but then also practically so that we, like the disciples experiencing it, can then walk out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so 
at least three things, and I'll try to make it quick, three things um, that are significant about the ascension of Jesus, this story we just read, resurrected Christ uh, 40 days after the resurrection, declares to his people, I'm out of here, wait for something good, and off he pops into heaven in the clouds. The early Christians considered the death of Jesus on the cross, so that Good Friday Easter uh, account, as a sacrifice of atonement, which means they saw this as a way that God was forgiving the sins of his people. The death of Jesus on the cross, the bloodshed, covers our sins so that we're finally forgiven. In Jewish culture of Jesus' time, it would have seemed odd to them if the cross was the end of the forgiveness. The way they understood Old Testament sacrifice, it would have been strange to them if it was just the blood of Jesus is done and now we're all good and and off we go to heaven. Because sinful people, they understood, needed a further step for complete atonement. A sacrifice had to be killed, and then the high priest, this is Leviticus, if you're having your quiet times in Leviticus maybe, The high priest not only sacrificed the animal, but then took the blood into the temple and there made intercession for the people. So the the Hebrew, the Jewish people seeing this would recognize that when Jesus was, was there at the ascension, what might be pictured in their head is the one who died for us, whose blood was shed, he's now entering into the presence of God to bring the sacrifice of blood to make intercession for the people of God. And then the high priest would come back out. He would literally ascend the steps into God's presence, and then he, was, he would descend. Interestingly enough, when he ascended, there were uh, billowing clouds of incense. So he would literally go up into a cloud of incense, make the sacrifice, and come back down out of the cloud of incense. When you think of it that way, it brings a little bit more light onto the ascension. Like, what was going on there? We just kind of think like, well, it was kind of now you see him, now you don't. What a neat trick, Jesus. But in the, in the Old Testament, that a high priest would have to ascend the steps, bring the blood, do the intercession, and then come back to affirm that, the, that the, the sacrifice was received by God and affirmed that they were, in, in fact, forgiven. What's interesting is at the very end of this text, we see that Jesus will descend in the clouds in the same way that he goes up. He goes up in a cloud, the, high, the holy priest going into the presence of God to bring the blood, and then he comes down from the clouds to say, everything's good, we're all good. So that's kind of that first uh, significant part is the priestly aspect of the ministry of Jesus. Read through Hebrews and there's some confusing language there. But you see he's the great high priest. He's not only the sacrifice, but he's also the priest who brings the sacrifice. He will eventually be the king that rules over all things. So that first significance of the ascension is this is highlighting the priestly work of Jesus. The good news is, as he is in heaven right now, he's constantly interceding for us. Constantly talking to God on our behalf. Second significant part of the ascension is the sending of the Holy Spirit. For whatever reason God decided to do it this way, Jesus said, if I don't go, I can't send the Spirit. John 16, 7. Speaking to the disciples in that upper room prayer, 
but very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Can you imagine what the disciples felt? They've seen this miracle worker. They've felt his love. They've seen his power. They believe he's the Messiah. And then he says, um, here's the really good news. I'm leaving. And they're going like, wait a minute. It seems like it's better when you're here. Jesus says, unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So in the ascension, the human body of Jesus goes to heaven to intersect heaven and earth, which is good news for those of us who are down here, most of us stuck in bodies, right? It means that these bodies can go to heaven. It means that these bodies, the way that Jesus was bodily resurrected, we too will be gathered with him in the clouds. We'll meet him in the air, and then we become eternal beings. So by ascending to heaven and sending the Holy Spirit at at Pentecost, it's like Jesus completes the incarnation. Jesus becomes available to all rather than being limited by space and time. Even Jesus in his body could only be one place at one time. But when he ascends to heaven and releases the Holy Spirit, that third uh, part of the Trinity, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is everywhere because he's in us. And so it's no longer a local ministry of Jesus. It's an unlimited ministry of Jesus because it happens through you and me. So that's the sending of the Holy Spirit, a significant aspect of what happens at the ascension. His ministry in and through our bodies and the power of the Holy Spirit becomes the way that we continue his ministry. And then finally, uh, significance of the ascension, it's the kingdom rule of Jesus, both now and forever. Um, Other places in the scripture, it it says that uh, Jesus, when he ascends, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's the place of honor and authority. And from there, not only does he intercede, but he rules And he reigns. He directs things on earth. He directs and he gives gifts. He pours out the Holy Spirit. He gives his people his spiritual gifts and his Holy Spirit so that anything that Jesus did on earth can be done now by us, or should we say through us, by God. So there's a little bit of context. There won't be a test or anything, but hopefully gives you a little bit of what might be happening in the minds of the disciples as they're kind of like, what was that all about? And what might the people have thought as they were watching this? So now I want to go into the text for the next 15 minutes or so and uh, see at least four movements. That's the way I see it. It's like a symphony. Four movements of the, this, the significance of this passage for us today, for believers walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, moving out into the world as the ministers of Jesus. So I'm going to read through it again, but uh, section by section and and make some comments. So Acts 1, 4 to 5, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this first movement, I just call it the wait movement. Jesus is just saying, do not go anywhere. I'm leaving, there's a gift coming, wait for it. You don't want to go into the world without what my Father's about to send. 
So John baptizes with water, signifying what? Cleansing and and repentance, a, a renewal of life. But we humans need more than just cleansing and repentance to walk in the world, right? Yes, we need to be cleansed and forgiven. Yes, we need to repent and keep our mind and our heart on Jesus. But we need more than that to do what he's called us to do. We need power. We need power. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are powerless to do what he's called us to do. We need more than what man can bring. We need more than the baptism of John the Baptist, which is good and directs us towards Jesus. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which allows us to live as Jesus in the world. I think Jesus knows that we can't walk through the world just with single eye and whole heart, but we need the power of God to actually bring others to an understanding that you can have a single eye on God and you can have a whole heart before God. We need power. Jesus knew that the disciples needed his power operating from the inside of their spirits within them so as he was departing the earth. And you know that you need power. I don't think anyone will say, I'm good, you know, I'm good to go. The Holy Spirit is the gift promised by God the Father. So this first movement in the passage is just wait. In other words, don't go anywhere without the power. So a question for us this morning is, have you received the power? And do you have a sense of that? Do do you know that Jesus lives in you and therefore the Holy Spirit is within you? Have you received the power? Is there anything that hinders your pursuit of the gift of the Father? It can be scary coming into a vineyard church. I mean, we have a charismatic element. We're evangelicals, but something gets a little weird at times. I don't know what you're laughing about. I can remember uh, when we were in seminary, first experience in a vineyard church, the, the wildest things would happen when my God loves decided to come to church. What is that about? God loves us. That's what that's about. Here's my question. Is there anything that hinders you, whether you've been here 30 years or you walked in for the first time weary today, that hinders you for the, from pursuit of the gift of the Holy Spirit? I mean, we say we want to pursue the giver and not the gift. Yes, first and foremost. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I just wonder, is there anything that's in the way of your uh, hindering you in your waiting for the power to pursue it, to go after it. So that's the first movement. What was the first movement? The word was? Yes. The second movement, which I just call trust. Acts 1, 6 to 7. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, I'm sure he said it in a kind way. I mean it. He said to to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So just to go straight to the point, sometimes we're asking questions that Jesus is not answering. Sometimes we are persistent on a question and we long to know and we want to know and we, let's just say it how it is, we need to know. And, And we're asking questions that Jesus is not answering. So it's time that we listen to Jesus and begin to either ask the right questions 
or just be content with faithfulness in the midst of mystery. Just, you know, when uh, Nate asked us to uh, listen, you know, that song. Nate, did you write that song? That was an awesome song. That, that song on listening and, and waiting, when Nate led us and, you know, does God want to speak to you? I just heard, heard the Lord say, just keep walking. Like, just basically keep moving forward. It can seem a little grim at times where we are, but just keep walking. Just keep moving forward. The disciples' assumption at this point was that the completion of the sacrifice, the presence of the Messiah, and the coming of the Holy Spirit would mean that the kingdom was going to be restored to Israel. All those promises were going to be fulfilled. So the, the group that's praying here, 7 a.m., uh, for an hour every day until Pentecost, pray, there's a phone call for me, um, praying for all of the promises to Israel to be uh, completed. This is what they thought was going to happen then. And we can continue to pray. Come in for the next week, pray at 7 a.m. We want all that God wants for Israel to be completed. Jesus' view of all of this was that the Holy Spirit would enable them to bring the kingdom and the rule and the reign of Jesus until the time when Jesus would come back and fully restore the kingdom. So they're saying like, oh, you're about to go. Everything's good. You're resurrected. That's a miracle. This has been a good run. Let's, let's culminate the whole thing. This must be the ending. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, we're in the intermission here. Like, there's an awful lot to do before this thing is all over. And to start acting now. Anytime you get that sort of sense, like, God has spoken, but I just need a little more information. God says to do something. You're like, well, wait, 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 just one more question. And, um, yeah, I'll just leave that at that. <laughs> you might know that temptation, though. Okay, God, as soon as you bring your healing like you promised, then I will. As soon as you make my life right, then I will. As soon as you show me my calling, then I will. As soon as you make good on all the promises, then I will. As soon as you answer this one prayer, then I will. And I'm not saying that those requests are bad. Plenty of places in Scripture where people call out, cry out for the promises of God, and they, they long for the word of the Lord. Those are good, beautiful prayers. That's a heart of faith. Unless we use those prayers as an excuse for disobedience, then that's different. Sometimes the wondering in our mind can prevent the walking out of our calling. And so I'm just suggesting that Jesus may respond to you and me the way Jesus responded to the disciples. Basically, you're on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. This is not for you to know. You just do what I told you to do. Jesus seems more concerned with the outgoing of the disciples than the downcoming of the kingdom. Because they're thinking it won't come until he does all this stuff. And he's saying, well, there's another piece. It's when you go out and you bring the rule and the reign of Jesus because you have the Holy Spirit in you. They're wanting to know if this is his time to establish the, the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, this is your time to expand the kingdom. Jesus says clearly, it's better if I go, but you get to stay. And so while we're trusting in God's timing, we get the gifts of God. We get the protection of God. We get the presence of God. 
just so we don't feel completely left out, there is something for us to know. Um, Adam alluded to it last week, John 14, 20. Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, which would be 50 days or whatever, you know, 53 days from when he was speaking. And he says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. I spent three hours trying to figure that one out just this week. So I'll, I'll just give it to you for fun. But this is what Jesus does want us to know. On that day, and today's that day, you will know that I, Jesus, am in my Father. So I and the Father are one, complete, whole. And you, people of God, are in me. So we are doubly protected. Here's Jesus, here's the Father. They're the same, they overlap, and we are right in the heart of it. He says, you are in me. And then, though that feels safe, secure, and, you know, lots of hugi, what's the word? Huga. You. Yeah, okay. What he says is, but I'm in you. And the reason I'm in you is so that I can go through you to the world. And we'll talk more about that next week on Pentecost. So the question from Movement 2, the trust are we asking questions repeatedly that Jesus is not answering? And will we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us? Would you take some time today or this week and say, God, is there something that I've put in front of you that looks a lot like a question and is actually me avoiding doing what you're calling me to do? Or um, Stacy came to me during worship. She said, I, I, I sense like the Lord is saying there are some people that have earplugs in. And so you can't hear, but guess what? You're the ones that pulls out the ear earplugs so you can hear. Is there anything that you're doing in your life today that is just like saying, I'm not hearing anything until you do what you promised? And Jesus is saying, act in trust, and I'll take care of the mystery part. So number one, uh, wait. And number two, trust. And the third movement I see in Acts 1.8 the action of the text, to act. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of, of the earth. Our action in this uh, era of the Spirit is to be his witnesses. And when do we get the power for that? We get the power for that when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Now, Important reminder, I think, uh, they have already received the Holy Spirit. You do recognize that. Because back on Easter, he the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on them. So the Holy Spirit is in the disciples in that moment in Easter. We are now 50 days later, and he's saying, wait until the power comes from on high. You'll have power. The Holy Spirit will come, and you'll have power. So is, is, however you want to work that out theologically, in your own mind and heart, the reality is there is a gift of the Spirit at conversion and there's a filling of the Spirit at another time. I mean, it's just, it's right there in the text. We know they have the Spirit and he says, wait for the Spirit. So what is it? Well, it's both. We have the Spirit when we come to Jesus. When we first, like they did on that Easter morning, when we first see Jesus for who he is, oh, you're the King. Oh, you're the Messiah. Oh, you're the Chosen One. Oh, you're God. When our eyes open and we come to faith, the Spirit of God comes within us. And we're born again. 
We're new people. But there is something else that needs to happen because Jesus says here, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit and then you'll have power. Jesus says, here's the job, here's the action, is I want you to be my witnesses. Actually, he prophesies it. He doesn't say, and then I'll invite you to be my witnesses. He says, and you will be my witnesses. I don't think that's a fearful, like, and you will be my witnesses. I think that's a gift and a, pr a prophetic word, and you will be my witnesses. And they're like, what? Like, yeah, you, because the Holy Spirit will be in you. So we wait for the gift and we trust the giver with the mystery. And then we, use it, it, we, are in the, we are in the era of acting as witnesses for God. And the filling of the Holy Spirit with very specific gifts, God's given us power with purpose. You know, many people will say that um, when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. If you look on a map, those are concentric circles. Jerusalem, where they are. Um, Judea, a bigger area. Samaria, a bigger area. And people are different over there. And then the uttermost parts of the earth, where we, you know, at that point, they didn't even know where those were. So there is a way to think about God. Is there, is there some way you've called me to witness white right where I live, <laughs> right where I live, or maybe a, a, a wider ministry that you've given me as I travel or whatever? Is there a, a cultural boundary you might ask me to cross to be your witness? And is it possible, God, you're calling me, even me, to go to some place I've never heard of in order to be your witness? Jesus did his job, which was incarnation, live, die, bear his blood into God's presence, intercede for us so that we could do our jobs, so that we could be active. And you, you've prob you may have heard it before, but the, the word in uh, the original Greek there for uh, witness is martur, uh, martus, it's martus. The verb would be martureo. We get our word martyr from it. This is not a proclamation that everyone's supposed to go out and die for Jesus. That is not the point. But this is a proclamation that everyone is supposed to go out and bear witness with their lives for Jesus. Every single one of us. You might not be the of us who's got the Spirit of God within us, has a calling to bear witness to what God has done through our very lives. Each of us is called to reveal our faith by our lives, and it's possible that for some of us that will mean death. You know, there are more martyrs in the world right now, now than ever before. It's, people are, being, are losing their lives because of their faith. And I'm not suggesting we go into deep introspection, I'm not that faithful. I am suggesting that we look out into the world and say, God, is there a place you've called me that might be a little scary? It might feel like death to my ego or death to my reputation. And am I willing, Jesus, with your power to proclaim your goodness through, through my very life? Do you know what gifts God's given you by the Holy Spirit? Do you know the people to whom he's called you? Do you know what general purpose for which he's empowered you? And, and will you ask him so that your life can witness to the love and the power of Jesus?
So we're to the fourth movement. We started with wait. We went to, and thirdly, and now we're back to our old friend, trust. <laughs> Be, uh, because, uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, trust. <laughs> I got it wrong. Acts 1, 9 to 11. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back by priest the way you've seen him go into heaven. Remember, I said that the Old Testament work of the high priest required the priest to bear the sacrifice into God's presence, but then he would come back. The promise is that he will come back, that his priestly work will be completed, and then he'll rightly rule and reign over all things. And we live for that return. And Adam mentioned it in, just during communion. We live for the return of Jesus. So uh, it's supposed to be wait, isn't it? Did I get it wrong? Oh, let's do this together. So there's a waiting there's a trusting, there's an acting, and there's another waiting. Oh, good, that just feels better, doesn't it? So the first waiting, don't do anything without him. And the second waiting, keep doing what you've been given to do until he comes back again and says, we're done. It's all complete. In other words, continue to be faithful in the mystery. So we live faithfully, that's our calling, and then we live the big, we leave the big things like the apocalypse and the end times and all of that. I'm not saying that's not important. It's just so clear that Jesus himself says, it's not for you to know. Doesn't mean it's not worthy of study. I'm not saying that. But if we fixate there to try to figure out when and we never do what in the now, then we've got a problem. So here's the process. Wait, trust, act, wait. Wait for the first promise, the gift, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust in the mystery and remain faithful. Act in the power of the Holy Spirit and witness with your life wherever God's called you to go. And then the final wait for the second uh, promise, the return of Jesus. So that's the process. And here's the point. It's time to act. It is, it is action time. It's, it's like, you know, at, the, at, at Pentecost, Jesus, director, great director of the movie of, uh, the movie of eternity, and he says, action. I, I'm sending you out. It's time to go for it. I can wrap up. To come forward, we got some, some words, I think, and invitations from the Lord, and then I'll, I'll come back and wrap up, and we'll pray together. So... Uh, just a quick little reminder, whoever is sitting in this stage left front chair is the prophetic discerner for the day. And so if any Sunday you come in and you feel like you're hearing the Lord tell you something that is a prophetic word for the whole congregation, come and share it with the prophetic discerner and they'll help you understand if that was something the Lord was just speaking to you or it was something to share on behalf of everyone else. So just remember that that's something that's going on. It's going to be happening each week. Uh, so yeah, just come, come see us. Um, so 
this week we, we had a couple words come in, and, and it's really tied in with Randy's message. It really seems that the Lord is talking to us about hearing his voice. And so uh, some of us have come in today uh, with possibly some earplugs um, that uh, there's different places where we are plugged, and we've actually plugged ourselves from being able to hear the Lord's voice, but he is removing those earplugs today um, so that we can hear him in different areas. And so when the Lord speak to us, speaks to us, he doesn't just speak to us what he um, through his voice, but also through what he's done. And so we can look and see what he's done in our lives and see the evidence of him. And it's another way that he is speaking and that we can see him. And so uh, these are multiple ways that we can just be activated today in our faith. Also, some of us are walking in uh, and there is a, a large obstacle or a mountain in our lives. And we are standing at the base and we've had faith in the past for him to come and uh, to help us with these challenges. And he's going to come and he's going to do it again. So um, he's going to lift us up on wings like eagles. And so a challenge that may seem so formidable, going around the mountain or up the mountain, you're trying to figure out how you're going to over overcome this obstacle. There's a third option that you're not even thinking of. And it comes available when we just trust in the Lord. We can even just reflect back on ways that he has helped us in the past. So if any of these things are something that you want activated in your life that you want to say, you know what, I want that word to be for me, go ahead and stand, and I'm just going to pray and release that word over us. Yeah, uh, God, we, um, we are just standing as uh, a prophetic act of faith, of just saying that we trust you, we want to hear you, we want to remove any earplugs from our lives. And so we trust that uh, those are being removed right now in Jesus' name, that we're going to start hearing you and seeing ways that you are working in our lives and that you've worked in the past. And uh, I just, uh, I know that there is an increase of faith, an increase of measure of faith that has come uh, in this room and that we're going to be walking around. When we walk into the room, we bring that increased measure of faith with us now. And uh, your name. We can all stand. If I could ask the ministry team to come forward and I'll just um, release us. If, there, if you walked in this morning and have a desire for God to do something, you want someone to pray with you, we'll have a ministry team up front. You can just come up. You don't have to go into a long story, but God, you know, I, I want healing in my body. Even those things where I said, you know, we're, we're asking a question and Jesus is not responding. It might be the day to say, Jesus, are you responding? Is this something you want to do in my life today? Not to keep us from action, but to enact us in the kingdom. So, um, it may be that you're waiting and today's your day to come to Jesus and receive that Holy Spirit. It may be that you long for an empowering in your life or ministry. You want more of the Holy Spirit. You want him to fill you again. It may be that you're, you're ready to act today and, and, you're, and um, you're just asking for God to go with you in the process of your action. And um, some of us are getting a little tired in the faithfulness and the mystery. 
and we just need to be empowered again. So if I could have a few more ministry team members, that'd be great. I'll pray, and if you'd like someone to come uh, to pray for you, then come. Thank you, God, for the gift of this day. Thank you, Jesus, that you did the entire work. You came, you lived, you died, you taught, you shed your blood for us. You took that blood right into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. There you intercede for us now, even as we come to you. We ask God for a release of that power of the Holy Spirit on us as your people this morning. For faithfulness in the midst of the mystery. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you'd like someone to pray, come on forward. Otherwise, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you next week on Pentecost.